0: You know, doing that preventative measure so that it's like, you know, if you're at home and your partner comes home, they're not the first person that (sighs) receives the brunt of all your feelings or vice versa, like maybe you're coming back from a really great date or a really bad date or whatever that your partner at home isn't the first person who gets all the brunt of all your feelings. If you're happy
1: with the same old ways of dating,
0: if you enjoy sucking at communication,
1: and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you.
0: But, if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships,
2: broaden your sexual horizons,
0: develop a better understanding of yourself,
2: or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the
1: right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily.
0: And I'm Dedeker.
1: And this, is the multi-amory podcast I I Forcing me to form to on this episode of the multi-amory podcast we're talking about how to reconnect with your partner after one of you has been on a date with someone else this tends to come up most often with couples who are newly non-monogamous and with couples who are living together, but it can and does come up at any time in any relationship.
0: Yeah, most definitely.
1: Also, very sad news for all of you listening, Emily is not with us today. Mm. Uh, she is in rehearsals yeah. for... a a debut of a musical that she's doing
0: yeah really intense rehearsals where it's like they're putting up the show in like five days or something it's like five rehearsals and (laughs) then they do shows yeah yeah.
1: so uh anyway emily's not with us today it's like
0: the adrenaline junkies version of theater yeah exactly yeah Uh, Yeah.
1: but she'll be back next week so don't Mm -hmm. worry you will get her silky liquid gold voice (laughs) back any moment now
0: Okay. So, yeah. So as we said, talking about reconnecting with a partner, and this isn't just applicable to the very specific situation of coming back from a date with someone else. It also can work after a fight it can also apply after some sort of period of separation whether that's travel or whether you know one or both of you have been dealing with depression or anxiety and you've needed to take some kind of time or some space away Mm. from your partner it works in situations like maybe you go to a play party and both of you like or one of you played with other people and now it's kind of reconnecting afterwards so this is definitely applicable to many many situations um But the reason why we're talking about this specific situation today is that I've found definitely in my work with clients, this comes up all the time, especially, as we said, for people who are kind of newly non-monogamous.
1: Yeah, and even, and has come up in our own lives, in many relationships and in our friends' lives. So this is a fairly common thing. And we are going to talk about it, for the most part, we are going to talk about it in the context of a couple who live together, because that's where this tends to come up the most when you'll see someone immediately after a date because you live together. They've been out on a date they come home or you've been out on a date and you come home to the other partner.
0: It's kind of like any time where, you know, the default is that if you go out on a date that the first person you come back and see is this other partner.
1: And this doesn't necessarily have to be someone that you live with all the time. Uh, You know, for example, Dedeker and I live together part of the year. Or for those of you, you know, who might live far away and often spend the night at the other person's place for extended periods. um, You know, there's Mm -hmm. lots of different ways this could look. But just kind of to clarify, for this episode, we're going to be talking about it kind of in the context of a couple who live together. Mm -hmm. um, But just understand that this can apply in other situations as well. Right. So So,
0: let's talk about exactly what the pattern tends to be.
1: mm -hmm. I feel like we've all been there. Yeah. So your partner, uh, well, from one point of view, so your partner has just been out on a date with someone else possibly having sex with them. And then when they come back, you feel such a mix of feelings that you just don't even know what to do, mm-hmm. right? You you want to reconnect, but you have a whole bunch of conflicting feelings. Or on the other side, you've been out on a date and you're coming home either from a good date or from a not good date. Either way... And the same thing. It's like, not only am I feeling conflicted feelings myself and like wanting to reconnect, but also maybe feeling elated or sad, but then also I don't know how they're feeling and maybe they're feeling mixed things and maybe those aren't compatible at that Mm -hmm. moment, right? It's just a whole mess of things that can happen.
0: Right. So if you're the partner who stayed at home while your partner went out on a date you may feel a number of things or a number of behaviors may come out. And Mm. so, you know, you may feel lonely or frustrated like maybe the, maybe you're not used to spending a lot of time alone at home and this is the first time that you've had to spend an extended period of time where your partner's not home for dinner or not home mm. to stay the night or something like that and so maybe it's feeling lonely maybe it's feeling a little bit listless maybe not sure what to do with yourself um, maybe feeling frustrated because you feel like you just had to stay home with the chores like with the dishes or with the kids or oh,
1: man, yeah, you
0: know <laughs> while your partner got to go out and have this like really fun first date or go have sex with someone or whatever um when your partner comes home i've definitely i've experienced this personally myself um, in the past and then i've also heard a lot of clients talk about specifically the phenomenon of really feeling like they don't want to be touched
2: Hmm.
0: you know like their partner comes home and maybe they go to hug them and their body just like kind of freezes up or tenses up or they feel sick and they're and sometimes a lot of people like who talk to me about this they also they don't know why they're they're like i'm not necessarily upset about my partner being away. But for some reason, like when they come to like hug me or touch me for the first time, I'm just like, Ugh, like I don't like, I don't want to be touched. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a really common phenomenon. Um, or sometimes the opposite that you may feel the desire to like really glom onto your partner as mm-hmm. soon as they come home. Like maybe you immediately want to have sex or immediately want to physically connect in some kind of way. That's also possible. Um, if Things are feeling tense, or are feeling not so great for you around your partner going on this date, or around being open in general, or maybe there's been some trust issues, or you know maybe there was some there was a fight that happened as you, your partner was heading out the door. You know there may be still residual feelings from that. You may be still be feeling anger or sadness, or there may be some jealousy. Again, it, all these things can also be compounded as well. Um Or you may just be feeling just kind of standoffish, or there just may be some kind of tension, so like all kinds of things can come up that are potentially negative, and all of these things can stack and can be all happening at the same time as well
1: <laughs> right, yeah, like like we were saying about a mix of all of these feelings since mm-hmm. you don't know what to do right uh and, and I did also want to say that um with these things like they can come from past baggage, they can come from certain beliefs that we've been taught about relationships or about Mm -hmm. ourselves or about our partners, they can come from a lot of different sources. And we're not going to focus in this episode on the causes of them or what that is, although that could also be a useful thing, especially if you find the same things coming up over and over again, that that could be a useful thing to Uh, Talk about with a counselor or a coach or a therapist Mm -hmm. or something like that. I know Dedeker does a lot of that sort of work with her clients.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think just another thing to bear in mind is that for a lot of people, if this is your first experience, you know, just of this particular scene of your partner going away, going mm. on a date and then coming back. Like bear in mind that culturally we're not really t- like taught what we're supposed to feel in that situation. Yeah. I think that now as non-monogamy ethical non-monogamy is kind of becoming more of a topic of conversation, there's more people talking about you know what is appropriate for you to feel? Should you be super jazzed and compersive for your partner? Should you be like nothing but supportive or you know, like, like I think that that's starting to become more of a conversation. But just bear in mind that, like, no one's given us a cultural script for, like, this is how you're supposed to feel, or this is how you're supposed to act, or this is what you're supposed to talk about. So in the absence of that, I think that's why so many different things can come up is because there's also a lack of script of how do I even compose myself in this situation?
1: Yeah. And my hope with this episode, too, is that if you came away from this episode with nothing else other than just realizing Oh, other people feel these things too. Mm-hmm. There's not something broken about me. This doesn't mean that because I feel this, I must not be suited for non-monogamy or right. Like all these thoughts that we can have, because again, we don't have a script. We don't have examples of like what's normal, right? Uh, you know, we don't see sitcoms about this to see like mm-hmm. oh, look at all the feelings they can have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so on that note, um, other feelings you can have if you're the partner coming home from from the date. Uh, you could be confronted with a feeling of like guilt or shame. Uh, I know this one came up really came up for me. It still does sometimes because we're so culturally programmed with that. Uh, and the, another one could, on the other side, be like uncontained excitement. Like you're just so jazzed after this date because you're falling for someone. You've got all those chemicals rushing through your body, feeling awesome, and it's like I don't know how to act normal because <laughs> mm. I'm so excited, mm-hmm. right? Um, also, there could be kind of like on the other side wanting to have sex with your partner immediately could also be that. You come home just like really aroused or with just increased affection, even if it's cuddliness and not sexiness. Uh, of just like, wow, this is so amplified for my partner now Mm -hmm. that I've had this experience of going out with someone else. Right, it's actually,
0: yeah, it's surprisingly easy for those feelings that come up if you're excited about a first date or if NRE is starting to kick in. um, It's surprisingly easy for there to be transference of that Mm -hmm. onto your existing partner as well, which is most of the time like a really good thing. Right, Um,
1: right. Uh, And, um, or you could be coming back with frustration or hurt or upsetness if your date didn't go well, Mm -hmm. right? Or if it was stressful or you felt rejected, right? that you can be coming home with those feelings. Uh, Or you can also, based on how you perceive your partner that you're coming back to, based on how you perceive them responding, you could also have feelings of anger or hurt or jealousy if they seem upset or if you perceive them to be upset, even if they might not even feel that way. Mm -hmm. But you could immediately go to this place of, having a reaction of like, well, I was so supportive of you on your date and now I'm not feeling that or right. right, Something like that. Or just like, I'm so hurt because you really encouraged me. And now you're seeming upset. Mm -hmm. My feelings of guilt that I already had are now compounded. And now I'm angry about it. Right. Like it can, again, this mix, like all these can interplay with each other.
0: Right. 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 And I just want to reiterate, um, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, if you're someone who's thinking about opening up or, you're looking in the future and like pretty soon you're going to be having this experience of you or your partner going out on a date for the first time. Um, I don't want you to think that like, this is definitely (laughs) going to happen. Like these, that these feelings Mm. 100% are going to come up. Like both of you may feel quite positive or you may feel quite neutral. Um, And that's totally fine and like totally great too. But Mm -hmm. just bear in mind that sometimes you can be caught off guard with the things that come up and that's okay. Because a lot of people end up feeling this kind of big old mix of, both positive and neutral and negative emotions at the same time.
1: Right. To kind of put it into a different perspective, something we talk about with jealousy a lot is we make the comparison to the way that we all as adults learn to manage jealousy when it's about siblings or coworkers or friends or something like that. And I think part of that is because when we have those feelings, we have a script for it. We've seen examples of it in other places like our parents or on our TV shows or whatever, where you see someone be jealous, you see them deal with those feelings, you see them either be motivated by it or put it into other things, and rarely is the conclusion of this person must not love me or they must not really be my friend or they must not be a good family member because we have examples of it, Mm -hmm. even though we're feeling a a hurtful, negative feeling. I think with this, it's kind of a similar thing of just Mm -hmm. acknowledging the fact that these feelings are normal and that there are ways to deal with it and move past it, I think just even that can be very empowering Mm -hmm. to realize, like, I'm not broken. There's not something wrong with me. If I do feel these, even if it's only every now and then, and most of the time I feel great.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So the next thing we wanted to look at is kind of what not to
0: do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I want to talk about the most common mistakes that I see and that I've also done personally, (laughs) honestly, like, to be totally honest. Um, So... There's just a few of these. One of them is, you know, if it's time to reunite, you know, you come home or you're there and your partner comes home. And um, I guess the most common mistake is forcing a reconnect right away
2: Mm.
0: when maybe the two of you are not quite ready you know maybe you've had a bunch of feelings that came up if you know if you're the partner who's on the date and you still kind of need to process that or maybe if you were the partner who's at home a bunch of feelings came up for you and you're not just you know you're not quite ready to immediately hop into super intense processing with a partner or to hop into sex or anything like that and so there's definitely a lot a lot of potential for damage to be caused by forcing a reconnect mm. and I think the way that I often see or hear about this playing out in people's lives is, you know, partner A comes home from a date. Partner B maybe feels a little weird or is a little standoffish. Partner A feels rejected uh, and feels yeah. like kind of out in the cold and then feels like, well, why are you avoiding me? Or like, why won't you have sex with me? Or why won't you hug me? Or why won't you touch me? They feel really hurt when, you know, partner B who's at home just still wants time and space. And there's this struggle immediately about. Um, it's kind of like whose needs are more important, you know, like struggling about like, do we force reconnection or not?
1: Yeah. And then on the other side of that is avoiding reconnection, which is just kind of the like head in the sand. Let's not talk about it. Pretend it didn't happen. Let's avoid talking about anything uncomfortable, because I think, again, this can come from the idea that if we acknowledge there's any discomfort, then, maybe something's wrong with mm. us, or maybe we've made a horrible mistake, or right, right yeah. that I think it can come out of that fear um but this, yeah, on the other side, it can sort of drive this wedge between you, where it's like there's this thing we're not talking about that then over time can sort of grow, and now yeah. there's more and more, and then it's now a few months down the road, and you've. He said that I love you to this other person and it's gone so far and I had no idea because we didn't talk about it. right? right? So it's
0: kind of like, yeah, because you haven't practiced early on creating an open channel of communication to talk about, for instance, how your date went or how you feel about this new person that then it kind of just establishes, it kind of sets you up for failure later on, you know, when, when it's kind of like you have to start to disclose or talk about more serious things, but you haven't kind of even begun forging that path in the first place so it becomes a little bit more difficult um yeah. and again it, like i feel like for people this doesn't necessarily often come from a malicious place often it comes from a place of well i just went on a date and it was great but i don't know how to talk to the, about that to a romantic partner i know how to talk about that to a friend or a family member but i don't know how to talk about a good date to a romantic partner and so it's easier to not talk about it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah. same thing on the person who is at home. Like I know how to hear about a good date from a friend or a family <laughs> member, but I have no idea how to even receive or ask about
2: mm-hmm. a date
0: that my partners went on. And so it's easier to just not talk about it. Like that's often how this kind of intentionally avoiding like the reconnecting and processing uh, happens. Yeah. Yeah. So another common thing that I think happens on the part of the partner who's at home um sometimes that person can kind of go to freezing out or stonewalling the partner who came home and often this is the result of like if there's still some unresolved tension around You know, this person going on a date in the first place or unresolved tension around being non-monogamous in the first place or maybe unresolved tension around the person that they're going on a date with or like even if all that's fine, unresolved tension about something they argued about before they left the house, you know, that sometimes the reconnecting process, the person who is at home can really intentionally weaponize kind of the standoffishness, I suppose, to make it some often, I mean, to be totally honest, often it's a bullshit test that's part of like punishing your partner for being away or, you know, trying to withhold intimacy in some way to kind of bait your partner into kind of chasing you and kind of, I don't know, I, I talk about it so negatively because I'm a person who used to do shit like this all the time, <laughs> you know, this kind of manipulative bullshit of you know i need to stonewall you or i need to freeze you out in order for you to proactively demonstrate wanting to reconnect with me you know instead of me being able to ask hey i would love for you to hug me or i'd love for you to say something nice to me or whatever like i have to be manipulative to try to get you to come after me
1: um I've I've also heard it referred to as like playing emotional chicken. Mm, it's kind of like that one. of like who can hold out the longest. Right. Um yeah. even if the other person doesn't know they're playing this game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of like who can not make a move the longest and and force the other person to be the one to take the initiative. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So I think I bring that up not so that if you're the partner who's coming home so that you can like accuse your partner at home of doing (laughs) this, more of like if you're at home and you are feeling standoffish, like it is okay to feel that, but just make sure that you check yourself to make sure that like the reason you're pulling away is not because you're hoping that part of it will punish your partner as well or make your partner feel bad or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think a, a good test for that is if you do feel that need to pull away, is that something that you can talk about and be mm, honest about and say right. I'm feeling this, I need a little bit of time. And if you can't bring yourself to say that, maybe this is coming from a place of wanting to hurt them mm, or Yeah, yeah, that's a good test. Like we'll
0: talk a, a little bit more about that later in the episode.
1: Yeah. Uh so then another one and this one is one that I have often been guilty of, which is you're the one who is on the date and you immediately downplay it, downplay your enjoyment of it. You don't talk about the good things or the things you're excited about. You just emphasize what was like, maybe not great, or maybe what wasn't as good as your other partner, right? Something like that. And this one, I feel like people think, I certainly did. (laughs) You know, you feel like, I'm going to make them feel better by not saying, Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And then assuming that they would then feel like, Oh no, no, They had such a good time, and they don't have a good time with me. But this actually radically backfires, Mm -hmm. um, and actually can cause even much worse feelings. When then you know you kind of downplayed it, but you do end up going on another date with them. Right. Your partner, who you downplayed this to, and was like, "Yeah, no, no, it's just okay." And then you go on another date, and then another one, and you spend more time with this person, and then their head. Now they're going. They didn't even seem to really be that into this person, but they're still spending time with them. I must be so bad to be with (laughs) that even this is okay, right? It's just a bad, bad, dishonest way to to start into things, even though it has good intentions.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then on the other side of that, I think, you know, another common mistake that I see is feeling pressure to be really excited and positive when your partner comes home. And I feel like I see this more with people who have done all their research and read all the books Mm. and listened to all the podcasts and really feel like I need to be compersive. I need to be compersive. I'm a bad polyamorous person if I'm not compersive. And the thing is, I think there is a fine line here because I do think that maybe genuinely you feel maybe kind of neutral but you want to proactively be supportive of your partner. And so maybe you do kind of, I guess like you are more positive with them than maybe you're 100% feeling. And like, I think that's okay. I think there's, there is something to like we've talked about before on the show, kind of fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay to kind of stoke, like the little bit of you that maybe does feel positive or feel compersive just to kind of try to encourage that neural pathway and also to help your partner feel really supported um, because it probably feels quite vulnerable on their side too. But I think there is a fine line between the fake it till you make it and the just totally faking it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the sense of like, I feel awful, I feel miserable, but I want to be like a good poly person. And so I'm going to give you a high five, even though I don't feel that way Mm. either. And trust me, I've also tried to pull this one, and I i don't know. I guess I'm not that good of an actor, because people are always able to call me on it <laughs> if I'm really feeling like crap, but mm. trying to fake being okay or fake being compersion. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so again, and I could go off on like a whole soapbox about... <laughs> compersion itself being um, i think a wonderful thing but i think it's something that happens more organically and i think people do try to force it anyway mm.
1: but we won't get into that's that another today episode. <laughs>
0: yeah so we do want to talk about you know some strategies for avoiding these particular mistakes and also to give you some actual practical solutions Uh, to turn to for navigating this particular process of reuniting and also reuniting if it's feeling tense or feeling weird with either of you.
1: Right. And essentially to kind of give those examples, like we said, that we don't have. These examples of here's how this interaction can look. Here's Mm -hmm. some ways that it can be done that are positive, that are good. Uh, Because like we said, we don't really have examples of this. We don't have scripts Mm -hmm. for it. We don't. You know, we we don't have any role models for Mm -hmm, it.
2: mm -hmm. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
1: For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. All right, so now we want to dive into some of these solutions and tools and kind of new ways to look at this dynamic of coming back from a date or your partner coming back from a date. Mm -hmm. And the first part we wanted to start with is starting with the while you're apart. So like even before you've actually reconnected, but while you're away, either out on the date or sitting at home with yourself, maybe having some of these... Feelings coming up.
0: Yeah. So the first thing is always my go to advice. And I feel like if you've been listening to the show for a while, you're going to roll your eyes and be like, oh, there goes Dedeker again. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, mindfulness of your body. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Basically, okay. So let's say you're at home, your partner's out on a date, you're feeling weird or you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling lonely. Is just bringing some mindfulness to like, where does that live in your body? Like, are you feeling tension in your chest? Is it like there's something weird straining in your shoulders? Or do you feel it like in your hands? Like, do you want to like clench your hands into fists? Or do you feel like hitting something? Or do you feel like crying? Or just being aware of what's happening in your body, it can be really good to, you know, kind of check in with your body, and then maybe write out what you're feeling. Um, If that helps for you to kind of process it through writing or even just feeling it, or sometimes like what I'll do if it's like, oh, I feel like, like around my heart, like just something, it feels like my heart is nauseated somehow. I don't know how that is, (laughs) but it does. Sometimes even just like taking your hand and just like acknowledging that part of your body, just like kind of giving it some love or even giving it some massages. And that's not to say that that's going to instantly make it all go away or make it feel better, but just to kind of give a little bit of that comfort and more of that awareness and you can do the same thing too. If you're the person who's out on the date, um, you can do that for your entire evening. If you want, you know, check in <laughs> with your body. If you're feeling nervous before the date, see what that feels like when you're on the date, if you're having a good time or a bad time, just getting curious about like, huh, what, what does that feel like? Where does that live in my body? Where is it showing up when you're heading home and you're noticing, mm. I'm feeling tense. I feel like I'm worried that my partner is going to have a bad reaction or I'm worried that we have to hop back into like the argument we were having before I left or I'm worried because I have no idea what I'm going to come home to, you know, exactly figure out where is that showing up in your body. Um, So just kind of having that awareness at your fingertips and that leads into the next thing Or does it lead into the next thing? It doesn't lead into the next thing. No, I think it's somewhat related. Does it? Okay.
1: Well, and so this is about finding outlets for certain feelings Mm -hmm. before reconnecting with each other. Mm -hmm. So what this means, kind of like Dedeker was mentioning about like writing this down, um, I think that's actually a great technique is to do, and this is the one where everyone rolls their eyes of like, there goes Jace again, (laughs) is doing some journaling, right? (laughs) Is take a moment to write down what you're feeling, write it down either as if you're talking to your partner, if that feels good to you, or I actually like uh, recently I've come into this thing of writing as if I'm telling another friend, especially if you don't feel like right then you have someone that you can talk to about Mm -hmm. the feelings you're having, who isn't going to immediately, you know, judge you for that or is going to say like, Oh, well you shouldn't be polyamorous or, Mm. or, Oh, well I don't, think that's a good relationship for you or something, right? Like, especially if you don't feel like you have someone that you can just talk to about your feelings and them to say, it's okay, like, that's fine. And again, I think this would be a great place for the Patreon group Mm -hmm. or the the discourse group or the Facebook group through our Patreon is to have a place to be like, I need somewhere to talk about my feelings where people can actually listen and go, yeah, I've been there too, instead of making some judgment about it or making it about you making a mistake.
0: But it's kind of, you know, doing that preventative measure so that it's like, you know, if you're at home and your partner comes home, they're not the first person that receives the brunt of all your feelings <laughs> right. or vice versa. Like maybe you're coming back from a really great date or a really bad date or whatever that your partner at home isn't the first person who gets all the brunt of all your feelings. Yeah. And I realize like maybe this is a little bit tricky to pull off for if you're the person who's out on the date, because it's like, well, when do I have time to post in a Facebook group? Um, but you know, it could be when you're on your way home or if you want to text with a friend about your date, who's open to talking about that or hearing about that again, just kind of finding some, outlet for processing all of your feelings
1: yeah i think that what you just talked about of like take that moment i know it can feel like i need to get home right away mm-hmm. because i oh, my, maybe especially if you are worried your partner's upset or that they've been feeling bad it's like oh i gotta rush home and get there as soon as i can but honestly taking 10 15 minutes longer to get home by taking a moment to on your phone you know log into the Facebook group and like post about how good your date went or how exciting it was or how it was exciting, but you're also nervous or whatever it is, or to talk to a friend. If you have a friend who is supportive, or
0: like you were saying, just write it in your notes app on your phone. If there's no one that you can exactly send it to right in that moment, just get it down.
1: But that 10, 15 minutes later that you might be is going to have so much less of an impact than you coming home Feeling centered and not like I need to tell you all of this, or I'm holding back so much, mm-hmm. or 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 like whatever it is, you right. just coming home in a place of being more centered and in control, super helpful. And then the same thing for if, if you're the one at home, right, is right? just taking that that time to have expressed a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like like Jennifer said, they're not getting the brunt yes. of everything yeah. all at once. Yeah.
0: So when it comes time to actually reconnect, like you've actually come back home, you're actually back in the same space again bearing in mind what we were saying earlier that this can be so fraught for people and so awkward for people because again we're not taught how do you have a conversation with a romantic partner about a romantic date they had with someone else or sexy times they had with someone else you know we don't have that script and so it's good to keep it really simple again like you like we said earlier you don't have to hop straight into processing everything right away but you also don't have to avoid it um This is gonna sound really obvious, but a really good first question when you come back. Again, this is like before you've touched this person or before you've tried to like hug this person or whatever. Great first question is, how are you feeling? Or what are you feeling? And that's why I think it's really important to have that body awareness. And for both of you to be on the same page about sharing that. Because it gives you a bigger vocabulary for being able to talk about these things with your partner, especially if you're not entirely sure exactly what your feeling is or how to put it into words. It gives you a place to start that if your partner comes home and they ask, how are you feeling or what are you feeling? You can be like, hmm uh, you know, like, like my stomach feels a little bit sick, but, but like my chest is feeling kind of good, but I'm feeling some tension in my fingers and like, that's okay. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't mean I'm mad at you or I'm sad or I'm jealous or I'm depressed. It's just like, this is what's happening in my body.
1: Yeah. And a key part of this, and this definitely helps to have this conversation beforehand is that the point of this is not about problem solving. Mm. That's For later. That's for another time. Right now, all that matters is just trying to understand and just getting both finding a way to express how you're feeling and then also just receiving it and being like, oh, yeah, I I understand that, you know, thank you for sharing that or that makes sense Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, And to go along with that, there's this term called focusing. Which is a term, uh, as far as I understand, coined by uh, Eugene Gendlin, which is a term for finding the right images or phrases or metaphors or words that fit how we're feeling. And that by finding those, and it can take some experimentation, but by finding those, that will actually by itself just cause an easing of tension and a feeling of resolution in your body. Mm. And so kind of like Dedeker was using very physical things of like oh my chest feels this way and my fingers feel tingly. This could for you be more metaphorical.
2: Mm-hmm. It could
1: be like, well, I you know, I don't know, I kind of feel like you know, a chicken with my head cut off.
0: Mm.
1: Sorry Emily, it's not vegan a metaphor. <laughs> uh I right feel like a or, vegan
0: a vegan chicken nugget. <laughs>
1: vegan chicken nugget. Right or like I feel like you know, my, my head's in a blender or like mm. what, you know, or mm. I feel like I want to put my tender heart in a blender. Oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and watch it spin around to a beautiful Yeah, Vivian. exactly. Whatever works for you. It says write images, phrases, metaphors, song lyrics. There you go. Yeah. You know, that works. <laughs> I think the point that we're getting to here is that reconnecting. And if your first question is, how are you feeling? That it's a conversation that goes beyond, I feel fine. Or I feel okay. Or I feel good. Or I feel yeah, bad. having
1: to say good or bad. Yes. Like having to put a value on yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. That I know. And again, ideally this is why it's important for maybe both of you to listen to this ahead of time or to or to talk about this ahead of time of knowing that this is gonna be the quality of conversation that when we ask how you're feeling, it's gonna be more qualitative rather than valuative. valuation yeah that's a word right yeah sure i'll roll with it um (laughs) just that yeah we're going to be more specific in the ways that we're feeling and just kind of accept that without judgment
1: yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that that right there is actually a very powerful tool in a lot of ways when it comes to connecting or, or talking about your mm-hmm, feelings, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with new feelings. Mm-hmm. Like if, if non-monogamy is new to you, there's going to be new feelings that come up because you're doing new things and changing your right, beliefs. Right.
0: And again, I want to reiterate like what Jace was saying about how this isn't necessarily the moment for problem solving right away. I know for me, what I'm always guilty of is if a partner does come to me and is like, like I feel sick to my stomach or mm. I feel like I just want to cry a whole bunch, um, that immediately I'm like, well, why do you feel that way? Let's talk about that. How do we fix that? You know, and and again, that like that's maybe not the moment for that conversation. Like it's mm-hmm. just hearing how you're feeling and then just listening to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because
1: it's also possible that that person doesn't want to fix it right now. Yes. Sometimes it's like, no, I just want to, you know, I want to have these acknowledged and feel these feelings. Mm-hmm. It's not something I need you to take away from me or right. that I need to run away from. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: So, okay. So question number one, how are you feeling? Love it. Question number two, from both of you to each other, what do you need right now? And again, this seems like a super obvious question, but... I think that that's the thing is like when you first ask, how are you feeling? And then maybe your partner's like, I feel really upset or I feel like I want to cry. Mm-hmm. That can be really easy for you to make an assumption like, oh, that must mean he wants a hug or that must mm. mean he wants me to talk about this or that must mean that. No, again, like before you hop into these assumptions about how to solve the problem, just straight up ask, you know, what is it that you need right now? And the answer could be a number of things. It could be, mm, I feel like actually I would love a hug from you right now. Or what I need from you right now is I need you to tell me uh, why you still think I'm sexy. Or Mm. or maybe it's, you know what, actually, I think I need a little more time and space to myself right now. Um, (laughs) I need to finish watching my TV show. You came home too early. Can you please (laughs) Please, shut up for a second? (laughs) Or it could be multiple things. Mm, I think what I would like right now is I'd like to give you a hug, but then I would like to go back to the couch and finish my show. And then maybe let's cuddle in bed later.
1: And this is also a fantastic opportunity to practice your consent and negotiation. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you could say, you know, what do you need right now? Or I even also like the phrasing of just like, what would you like right now? Because sometimes what do you need right now almost has like an accusatory (laughs) tone. Yeah, that's that's true. But that's really up to how that feels for you. Um, But say they say, uh, you know, I I would really like to hug you and cuddle with you. Or like, I really want to have sex with you right Mm -hmm. now. If you're not feeling that, like maybe you're the one who needs space to practice the negotiation aspect of consent, which is the like, I really don't feel like doing that right now, but could we just sit together and hold hands for a little bit while Mm -hmm. we do something else? Mm -hmm. Or... Uh, you know, maybe like, let's, let's hug. I'm not really ready to cuddle. I'd still like a little time. Mm-hmm. But that where it's not just sort of like a yes or no, or it's not, uh, well, I have to force myself to do this thing mm-hmm. that I'm not really feeling. But instead, it's, it's a teamwork. It's a negotiation. Right. It's a Okay, I know you want that. Well, could I offer you this instead? That's mm-hmm. within what I'd like to do as well. Right. right. But
0: also, just to reiterate, saying no is also okay as mm-hmm. well. It doesn't have to be a negotiation. Sure. Um, yeah. but it could be. I'm just saying that like there's a wide spectrum here right. where if you're if, you know, you come home and your partner wants to have sex right away and you're not ready for that, either it's a straight up no or there is space for you to say like, mm, "I don't know if I'm ready for that, but like can we get into bed and and cuddle and talk, you know?" And then kind of you can offer and take things from there. Yeah. Um, so connected to asking about, you know, what each of you needs or, or wants or would like in this particular moment in reconnecting, there's a lot of options. Um, and we wanted to throw out there talking about um, the power of ritual. We had someone in one of our discussion groups bring this up recently, but just like the power of... When we come back together, we have a particular ritual where we're both entering back into like the space that we share together, not just the physical space that we share together, but also like the emotional and mental space that we mm-hmm. share together as well. Um, and for p- different people that can look different ways, um, you'll have to negotiate that with your partner to see what feels good. For some people, it is like, you know, I come home from a date and I'm going to go shower and Mm. like change into like our favorite comfy clothes and (laughs) then we'll come Uh back together or we're going to come back together and like go for a walk or just figure out what for you makes sense. Um, because ritual not to make it sound like super magical or spooky or anything like that, it really can help again, just kind of as shorthand for your brain and for your body, um, for getting kind of back to that space of feeling comfort, comfortable and feeling safe. Um, you felt beforehand
1: it's also such a great way to find some certainty in something mm. that can feel very uncertain right and something that I feel like we've talked about quite a while in the past it's actually kind of been a while since we've talked about this but uh, that there have been some studies showing that being more tolerant of uncertainty like being more comfortable with uncertainty is a trait that helps people thrive in non-monogamous relationships mm-hmm. and it is something that you can develop. Uh, you know, over time, learning to be more comfortable with that. But it very much goes against our cultural notions of, like, everything needs to be certain. We need guarantees, we need contracts, we need promises of things, and, and you know, kind of, it, this is in everything. It's the way we think about politics and laws and marriage and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but having a ritual is a known thing. It's like, I know that when I come home from this date, or when my partner gets home from this date, we're going to do this, because that's what we always do. And that like, at least I know one part of this interaction, I know how that's going to go. And I think that's actually very powerful to find these kind of touchstones of, of... predictability.
0: Yeah, yeah. And along those same lines, you know, as you and your partner sit down and figure out what's a good ritual for reconnecting after a a date, it's also a good conversation to have about what's our ritual for reconnecting after a fight. Um, Uh, Like, that's also just a good thing to kind of have in your toolbox of we know that when we're both ready to kind of let go of our shit and, <laughs> and come back together, that we have this kind of established ritual of, of knowing like, okay, we're good now. So mm-hmm. we can move forward. Um, something that I want to toss out as a suggestion is um, so I had a client recently who I described this concept to, and then they actually gave me there's an official term for this. And I, I did warn them that I was going to appropriate this. And so <laughs> thank you. You know who you are if you're listening to this. Um, but it's this idea called parallel play. And it actually comes from child psychology. And so the idea is that when we're very, very, very little, when we're just learning how the world works as far as being social with people, that (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
0: the first thing we learn is how to play by ourselves. Like when we're very tiny, we don't really have the tools or the skills or the processing power to figure out playing with another child. Um, So we play on our own, like with our own toys. And then the next stage is called parallel play, which is that the next thing we learn is how to play next to another kid or another toddler, another baby. But we're not necessarily interacting with them because, Mm -hmm. again, like we don't quite have those skills or haven't figured that out yet. And then the, the last stage is then finally we learn how to play face to face with other kids directly. And... I found with a lot of my clients, this concept of parallel play when reconnecting really helps people because again, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of emotions coming up. There's a lot of weird feelings um, or negative feelings or weird body feelings that may be coming up. And the idea of, Okay, my partner's going to come I'm, sorry then my partner's going <laughs> to come home, and then we 're immediately going to hop into like this really intense discussion or we 're immediately mm-hmm. going to try to have sex with each other, or that it 's like that feels like a little too much um and I'm maybe not ready for that, but transitioning into that easing into that can be really helpful, and so for instance, parallel play can be something like you know if you reconnect and instead of immediately sitting down to like well let 's you know, sit across the table from each other and like have a meal and like talk everything out. Um, Let's go take a walk. And literally physically what you're doing is you're side by side. You're not facing each other. You're facing out into the world. You're focused on other things. And you can talk if you want. You can not talk if you want also. But it's this Mm -hmm. idea that you're able to be in kind of the same space and close to each other without it necessarily already hopping to Able to like hug each other and touch each other and look each other in the eye or stuff like that. If you're still feeling kind of tense around each other, it can be things like watching a show together. And I think that's a really good example for a ritual. If it's like, okay, awesome, have fun on your date. When you get back, we'll sit and we'll watch the next episode of our show. Right. Like, that's the first thing that we're going to do. Um,
1: so it also both gives you something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. tied to this ritual. Exactly. Yeah. Or
0: doing something like a puzzle. Or I was, <laughs> I threw out the suggestion earlier, like going to the driving range, I guess. I don't know, just anything where it's like, <laughs> yeah. we have an activity that we're doing together, but that's not about <laughs> us facing each other um and it kind of it takes your it does it has a couple benefits one being that it takes the focus off of your partner and it also takes the like gets you out of your own mind a little bit too i think and it kind of yeah gets you you, focused on doing it unites you but in the fact that you're both focused on something outside of yourselves and so it. it is kind of this indirect Reconnecting. And again, if you're listening to this and you're like, I've never had an issue with this, like, that's great for you. (laughs) You know, um, for some people and myself included, you know, that I've definitely had times where it's like, as soon as my partner gets home from a date, like, we're going to sit down and crack a beer and debrief and talk about how it went. That's great. Um, And that's a wonderful thing to be able to do. But if you're not feeling that way, I found that parallel play or working parallel play into a ritual somehow is a really, really good strategy for kind of being able to ease into reconnecting again without fully diving into it yet if one or both of you are not quite ready.
1: Yeah. Uh, then the next thing we want to talk about is when it actually comes to talking about the date. Mm-hmm. And this is there's, there's two parts to this, and that both of them have both a telling and an asking portion. So the first question is, do we want to talk about the date? Like, do mm-hmm. I want to talk about your date? Do you want to talk about your date? right? Do we want to talk about it? And that's like, if I have a strong feeling of like, I definitely want to talk about it, I can express that. Or if it's like, do you want to talk about it? Because I could kind of go either way. Mm -hmm. Right? You can sort of feel this out, but is kind of telling or asking. But then the second part that's really important to go with that is specifying whether you'd like to talk about it now or in a little bit or the next day Mm -hmm. or another time, or again, asking them.
2: Mm -hmm. right because it
1: could be like i really want to hear about your date but i'm fine to talk about it now or another time like what what feels good for you and they might go yeah i want to talk about it right now i got a lot on my mind or they might say you know i'd rather just do our stuff together and let's talk about it tomorrow at lunch Mm -hmm. something like that right? right um but realizing that there's there's no obligation to have that conversation at a certain time or in a certain way. Mm, mm -hmm. And that that's a question that involves both of you weighing in of like, what what do you want? Here's what I want. Let's, again, kind of like the consent thing of like, let's negotiate this and find something that works for us both Mm -hmm. uh, rather than feeling like there's like, well, we have to talk about it right now because that's what I read about in, you know, whichever poly book I read. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. That's right. what you got to do. So we have to do that. That's kitchen right. table poly. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah.
0: Or the other extreme, which is we're just going to avoid talking about it because we don't know how to talk about it. Right, you know? right. So that's why I think it is important to, you know, again, so if your first question is, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Second is, what do you need right now? What do you want right now? What would you like right now? And third one being, um, you know, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about your date now or or should we talk about it later or some variation of that um but I think it is important to at least acknowledge just the fact of like we're going to discuss it mm-hmm. in some way however like if you want to spend 3 hours on it or if you want to spend 2 minutes on it like that yeah, it, is quick, gonna, yeah. it is going it is going to get discussed mm-hmm. and it's up to us to negotiate when that's going to happen and we on you know on this podcast like we we really encourage people to practice those skills of talking about other partners, talking about how dates went. Um, You know, negotiating with your partner, figuring out what level of disclosure feels best for you. um, We really would discourage you from trying to avoid it altogether. Um, Since like we said at the top of the episode, it kind of sets you up for some failure or some major stumbling blocks later on. Mm -hmm. And so even if it's going to be a two minute conversation, just still acknowledging that, that like, let's actually make some time to debrief or talk about this date in some Former fashion. Um, and again, you know, it, it's like this is usually something that applies early on in a new relationship. So, like, if this person's been seeing their other partner for six months, then maybe you're not going to keep having like a debrief about how every date went. Um, right. It could
1: just be a brief, like, oh, what'd you guys do? Oh, we went and saw this movie. Right. Or, right. Yeah. It could be yeah. that simple.
0: Yeah, But early on, as the two of you are starting to develop these tools, you're starting to build these muscles, you're starting to figure out these scripts, it is good just to be proactive in starting to establish that there's space for these things to be talked about in the first place.
1: So one thing that I really wanted to bring up is actually something that I would suggest not to do. And I bring this up because I think it's something that we all think would be the normal thing to do, and that's to ask this question, Mm. how was your date? Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: I would actually love to suggest that this is a bad question to ask, period, even if this is a friend or a family member or anyone, because the question is essentially asking the person to boil down everything that happened and then place a value judgment on it Mm kind of like like the whole like how are you feeling versus kind of like what are you feeling Mm -hmm. like that subtle difference and that by asking like how did the date go they have to be like good or bad (laughs) or right it's like i'm trying to boil everything down and now i'm feeling all this pressure to like well, did, do I think they liked it? Did, mm-hmm. What How did I feel? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's a really complicated question that I don't think gets a very good answer. Right. Like, I don't think it gets a very interesting answer. And so we were talking about other questions to ask. Right. Like, other things to ask. And I think that it could be, I like the question of how are you feeling now? Mm, I think mm -hmm. that's interesting or like, what are you feeling? So you mean like,
0: like when it's actually time for the two, like when you, the two of you are sitting down and you are debriefing on mm, how the date went.
1: I meant more the question we talked about before Uh of just like when, when you come home rather than like immediately, how was the date Uh and expecting a good answer. Instead, it's just, you know, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? I think that's nice. But then when it actually comes to talking about the date, I think it's interesting to try to ask more specific questions Mm, and that mm -hmm. these could be things like, you know, as simple as, oh, what did you end up doing? Or, you know, maybe asking about a specific thing like, Mm -hmm. oh, are there any like interesting conversations you had or or like what did you talk about or right or like was there anything like fun or surprising mm, or mm-hmm. just trying to come up with some of these more specific things right i think is a much better question than just how was the date
0: right right um and if you're the person who is coming back from the date um again this is also fraught with confusion because it is like how, what do I say? Like, do I talk mm. about every single little thing we talked about? Like, do I just do the fire hose method of disclosure or do I down- meaning,
1: meaning saying everything, uh, and saying absolutely everything yeah. or
0: do I downplay the good parts or, you know, that, so some strategies for that. I know something that I like to do is I like to bring up something that connects this new person that I went on a date with to my existing partner And it can be very simple. It can be something like, oh, when I was on the date, we talked about, uh, you know, this game that she's playing. And I mentioned like, oh, actually, you know, Jace plays that game a whole lot, too. And he told me about this part. And it sounds really interesting, you know, or something like, oh, yeah, I mentioned that, like, you worked on this film. And he's like, oh, I really love that film. And, you know, so something that... I suppose what it kind of, I found that what it kind of implies or kind of what the subtext is there is that like, even though I was on a date, like you still exist and you were still on my mind and you were still very present for me. And it's, it's so specific, but it's definitely something that I really like conveying to my partners. And I also really like hearing as well, but that's also just me. That's not necessarily how everybody ticks.
1: I think another part of that is not only that you're on my mind, but also that I'm not afraid to talk about you mm-hmm. to someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think also again early on in opening up a previously closed relationship there can be a lot of fear of that of like oh my partner's going to go on these dates and they're going to pretend I don't exist mm-hmm. or right because that's the only model we've been taught is yeah. is being shady yes. right is yes. is cheating is being secretive so it kind of helps to establish like that this is on the up and up mm-hmm. um, and especially if you have any history of of being hidden from a partner or someone cheating on you or something, it can be extra affirming to have that like, no, I'm, I am being talked about, right? Right, I am being acknowledged that mm-hmm, I exist.
0: Mm-hmm. And just as a side note, also, I think we've covered this on other podcasts or other episodes. Mm-hmm. not, not other, whole other podcasts yeah. <laughs> um, on other episodes. Uh, when you are out on a first date, that is a good strategy to find some way to, to bring other partners into the conversation. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like all about them, but, uh, it can be a good litmus test. I think it's part of, I think it's part of being unapologetic, like this idea that you can talk about your other partners in a realistic way, you know, if they're a part of your life, your everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and establishing early on yeah. that, like, these other people are a part of my life. And important to me. That you don't get to pretend they don't exist, and I'm not going to pretend they don't exist. Right. Yeah. So,
0: so, yeah, that's something we've covered on other episodes. But I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> if you're doing that, then that's an easy thing to also bring home and be like, oh, yeah, I mentioned this thing about you, and this is what they said, and yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, another question that I like to ask, um, basically, in the spirit of not leaving things too ambiguous but also leaving room for there to be freedom and flexibility and change um, I think that another problem with the question of just how did your date go is you can get the response of like uh, it was good we had a good time or uh, I don't know I'm not sure how I feel about it or oh I didn't really enjoy myself um, that Unfortunately, those answers, while it seems like they're answering something, they don't actually answer like the practical question of what happens now or what happens next. Right. You know, um, I know in my personal experience I've had a lot of experience of, you know, I asked someone how did your date go? And they're like, oh, it was great, we had a really good time. And I make the assumption like, oh, that must mean that they'll probably see them again. Um, or that this will become maybe mo- a more serious relationship, and then the partner never sees them again. In or reality,
1: it was more of like a hookup or something. Maybe something yeah.
0: like that, or vice versa, where they're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not entirely sure how I felt about it, and I kind of assume like, oh, well, maybe that's kind of a dud, and then they keep seeing that person. And so I tend to cut to the chase a little bit of asking, are you interested in seeing this person again? And I think the really important thing here to bear in mind is In asking that question, I think that an ambiguous answer has to be okay because your partner probably doesn't know 100%, especially if it's a first date. Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: It may be like, I don't know, they seem cool, but I'm not sure or I'm not sure if they like me or, or something along those lines. So I think that's kind of the tricky and important thing with asking your partner if they're interested in seeing this person or a second date or a third date or whatever is it doesn't necessarily mean that whatever your partner answers now is going to be set in stone.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also realizing that your partner doesn't know how the other party on this date feels.
0: Mm -hmm. So if
1: it's just like, are you going to see them again? It's like, well, unless we made a plan already, I don't Mm -hmm. know an answer to that. Mm -hmm. And being asked that can feel like, oh gosh, I'm being put on the spot.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: so instead the question like you phrased it of, are, are you interested in seeing them again? Or I like the wording of like, Oh, would, would you like to see them again if you get the chance? Mm-hmm. Then that kind of gives that caveat of like, I understand that that might not happen the way you think it is, but just would you like to see them again? At least gives you that, right. that certain answer, the answer that's important of just like, is there a chance they're going to go out again? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like these this is a pretty good. Set of tools. Again, like I said at the beginning, I think if you came away with nothing other than understanding that your feelings are normal mm. and that they're not insurmountable, like I feel like that's a victory,
0: right? right. <laughs> if you've even gotten yeah. just that. Yeah, and I think definitely that that, you know, there's this whole spectrum of feelings that may come up if this is the first time you're ever experiencing this. And you don't have to necessarily judge that this is how it's always going to feel every single time. I think, again, just remembering that like this is new and we don't have a script for this and you, for yourself, and you with your partner will figure out what feels the best for us, what's our ritual for reconnecting, or what's the best way for us to talk about this for it to feel good. But just bear in mind that that's a skill to be learned. That's something that you are going to learn over time. And it's Mm -hmm. not something you're going to figure out like the first night that you're home alone, or the first time that you go out on a first date that's with someone who's not your partner.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Like leaving, leaving room for that uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, Even though yeah I guess it's kind of finding the things that you can make certain, like the ritual and stuff like that, so there 's less need for your partner to know all the answers right now yes because that 's not a fair thing to ask of mm-hmm. of anyone, mm-hmm. um, especially when it involves a third party 's feelings right? right like i can 't give you any definite answers because i don 't know how they 're going to act tomorrow, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe my feelings mm-hmm. are going to change, maybe i 'm on the fence, and then we talk more, and then i 'm more into them, or maybe i 'm on the fence, and they say something stupid tonight, and I'm like, (laughs) never mind.
0: Never gonna have sex with you. (laughs) Right, like, we we just don't know. There's so many
1: unknowns, and so realizing that you can add some certainty into your life, not by forcing your partner to have that certainty, Mm -hmm. but in other ways, like Mm -hmm. through these rituals or through activities that the two of you can do together that you can both have control over. Like, well, we know we're going to do this thing.
0: Right, right. And as always, we definitely love to hear from you if you have a lot of experience with this, if you and your partner or other partners or multiple partners have figured out different tips and tricks for what works for you to reconnect, if you've figured out any kind of little ritual or microscript that you follow when you and your partner are reconnecting after a fight or something like that. We definitely love to hear from you. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us about that, you can send us an email to info at multiamory.com, or you can send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also leave us a voicemail at six, seven, eight, M U L T I zero five. You can also leave us a voice message on Facebook. To support our show and to join our private Facebook community and discourse forum, go to patreon.com slash Multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Jace Lindgren, and me, Gettiker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is formed by Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. Full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.